Welcome to the Positive Pants Podcast. Mindset, motivation, and inspiration to help you find your positive pants. It's time to let go of negative thinking, understand why you do what you do, and stop the self-sabotage with your host, Fran Excel. Welcome to the show. As always, it's Fran Excel, your resident subconscious success mentor, helping you find your very own pair of positive pants so you can get out of your own way and live a life that you love. If you want to stop sabotaging your own success and let go of the stress, then you are in the right place, my friend. Make sure you download your free stressed to success guided meditation at bit.ly forward slash stressed to success as my little gift to you for being here. Please do subscribe, share, review. It really, really helps people that need to hear this message find us. And I so appreciate it. In the show notes, you will also find details of how you can work with me and where you can get your mitts on my meditations, products, and printables. You can also find it through the link in my bio on Instagram, which is my second favorite place to hang out. So please do come join me over there at I'm Fran Excel. Tag me in your takeaways, slide into my DMs. I am here for it. So that is the formalities over my love. So let's jump into the content. I am so excited. Today I have Stefan Schmelik with me. Stefan is the founder of BioSelf Technology and the inventor of The Sensate, which I have been utterly raving about on my stories on Instagram. I've been using it for a couple of weeks now and I am genuinely, honestly blown away with how much I love it. Stefan and I were just having a chat about that before we came on. I find myself throughout the day just actually wanting to take little breaks to use it just for 10 minutes at a time, but really actually having that desire to do it. The Sensei is an incredible tool, looks like a big pebble, and it uses near infrasound resonance via bone conduction on your chest bone, combined with uniquely engineered musical soundscapes, which are glorious, in the app. And it's to calm the fight or flight response. It reduces anxiety and stress and can really help you relax on a deep level, even if you struggled with that in the past. I personally think this is going to be an absolute game changer, particularly for anyone who finds it hard to meditate or relax. So I am so excited to have you here, Stefan. Thank you. I think this is going to be a great conversation. Fran, thank you so much. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. I mean, that, my personal mission, the company's mission is all about, in a, in a, in a very positive way, you know, spreading the news about how well Sensate works. You know, we have a, we have a global impact agenda um so I'm, I'm, I'm always thrilled to talk to people about it and i love that, uh, that i love that you love it i really love it <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself you've got some serious qualifications behind you and what actually made you with a combination of all this what made you want to create the sensate where did the need for something like this come from in your opinion yeah, so well, I mean, my, primarily I'm a medical practitioner. Background is 30 years in medicine, uh, founder of New Medicine Group in Harley Street, um, which is uh, UK's main integrated healthcare clinic. Uh, like many uh, operations of that nature, it's a bit more virtual these days and has been over the last period with clinics being closed, etc. But, um, but still functions. Uh, but I'm now really uh, almost entirely dedicated to pursuing uh, the Sensate mission. Um, and I, da dad taught me and my brother to meditate when we were very young. So I've been meditating for most of my life. <clears throat> and obviously I used that um, to inform my work with patients. So I specialized in patients with anxiety, uh, with depression, with pain, with, with insomnia, et cetera. 
Um, and then upon forming New Medicine Group about 15, 17 years ago, um, we were kind of, the team was kind of brought together this astonishing um, uh, you know, medical team really with, I think between us at, the at our height, we had 300 years of clinical knowledge between the team. Um, so an astonishing um, sort of learning experience and hothouse for new ideas. But we were all very much united by this search for what is the thing that makes the difference in people's health outcomes. Mm. So, you know, why is it that some people um, get better from anything and some people get better from nothing? Yeah, in other words, some people, you know, can't recover from apparently even quite simple conditions. Um, and we've seen variations on what we're now calling, you know, long COVID over decades. So, you know, we were treating chronic Lyme disease 30 years ago uh, and chronic autoimmune conditions and the chronic versions of, 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 um, of um, viral or post fatigue, um, post viral fatigue type syndromes. Mm -hmm. And the thing that seems to make that seems to make the difference is, um, you know, a person's innate resiliency. Um, which, you know, we can we can kind of call their constitution plus the things they've done for themselves to increase their ability to adapt. Yeah, so resiliency is the ability to kind of roll with the punches. Um, and over many years, really, of exploration, what we found is this, the uh, if you dig down into what resiliency means, uh, essentially, it's uh, a way of describing vagal tone. Yes. Um, so in other words, the tone of the vagus nerve. Um, you know, the vagus nerve has become increasingly uh, popular, if you like. <laughs> you would think it was just been invented, really. But um, uh, of course, you know, uh, as, as beings, we've had a vagus nerve for approximately 500 million years. Um, so we've had a vagus nerve for hundreds of millions of years longer than we've had a brain. Uh, and we've had a body, of course, also for hundreds of millions of years longer than we've had a brain as well. So um, things that are um, wired into the body um, and wired into the vagus nerve are much more deeply wired than emotional or, or, or um, brain-based neural trigger responses, which is why, um, you know, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, phobias have no relationship to education, to intelligence, yeah, because that part, that that emotional, that uh, reactive system, mm -hmm. uh, is incredibly powerful, and impossible to overcome simply by telling yourself, "I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be anxious. The threat is not real." Yeah, so very very intelligent people have things like OCD. Yeah, they know they've turned the cooker off, but they have to go back and check, or whatever version of the behavior pattern they have is. So these kind of innate, deep brainstem level and vagus level um, threat perception responses, because that's really what they are. Yeah, it's the brain taking information from the environment, uh, often misinterpreting it, because we have these you know, amazing human brains that can process vast amounts of data. Um, so um, we, that's exactly what our brains do. They process data and often they'll come up with a conclusion that isn't entirely accurate to the to the actual situation so that's what as human beings that's our biggest issue in many ways is determining uh where a threat is real or whether it's or where it's just perceived okay. um and um to go back to your actual original question so i mean i've been using breathing techniques meditation techniques with uh, thousands of patients over the over the last few decades and what i really noticed about 10 15 years ago was that um patients ability to use the techniques really fell off a cliff uh, and that's and that process has just kind of continued really so um 
it's not it's not actually about attention span because in many ways people's attention span has increased uh, but we have this problem of what's called continual partial attention yeah this has been described in research at harvard uh, stanford i beg your pardon um and it's we are our attention is simply divided across too many data channels at once mm. uh, and if you also bear in mind the research uh, that shows that um uh, actually nobody can multitask multitasking is a complete myth uh, what some people can do slightly better than others is do more than one thing at the same time by, by switching, you know, their brain switches from one task to another. Uh, but then, you know, but you're not actually multitasking. Your human brain is hardwired to only be able to focus on one thing at a time. Um, so, so, so the concept of multitasking really is detrimental, actually, and quite pointless. Just do one thing at a time and do, and do it well and then move on to another task, right? But um, that, that's the issue, right? We have so many data inputs from phones and you know, a, a dozen different things pinging on one's phone. I've had to turn off a dozen things so um, they don't ping too much during the interview. They'll probably, <laughs> probably still be, there'll still be something I've forgotten. So something will ping at some point, uh, no doubt. Um, and, you know, and then obviously all the kind of reminders and the to-do lists that we write ourselves to be more productive uh, to increase our output. And, you know, our brains are essentially incapable of telling the difference between um, actual physical threat and the feeling of being overwhelmed. Yeah, because yeah? I've been the brainstem, the lizard brain is literally, you know, the a remnant from our days as lizards. Um, it isn't that sophisticated. It's very powerful yeah, because it has the, the ability to uh, press the emergency response button, but it's not particularly clever. So it, it's, it, it finds, has a very hard time distinguishing between, you know, somebody actually chasing you and just too many emails, too many, too, too many of everything. So we're overwhelmed. And that, I think this is, you know, in many ways, the single biggest epidemic, pandemic, that the world is suffering, which is, you know, human overwhelm. Mm. And our nervous systems only really have one response to this. Uh, very effective response, which is to initiate the emergency response, you know, the flight, fight, freeze, as we call it, response, which is, you know, most people have now heard of. Um, but, but it, you know, it's a real thing, right? Uh, and what, what I found is that a lot of people are living in this perceived threat emergency response level more or less all the time. Yeah. Uh, without realizing it, because, of course, it's, it's their everyday experience. Well, it's normal. Yeah, yeah it's normal. It's normal to feel overwhelmed. It's normal to be essentially in a state of anxiety and heightened, heightened um, uh, arousal, you know, which is the correct term, uh, which is what we, th in the, the term uh, for, for negative, if you like, stress. Um, and uh, this increases the body's sensitivity yeah, and it releases adrenaline into the system. It, it disrupts uh, stress, stress hormones, cortisol, norepinephrine as well. And, you know, these are really designed, these are short burst hormones designed to make you run really fast or to fight, whatever it might be. They're not meant to be used like stimulants, like coffee or whatever, yeah? Because they're highly pro-inflammatory, mm -hmm. yeah? They're corrosive. Um, and if you dig down into most of the kind of chronic health issues that are affecting people today, you'll find disruption of stress hormones uh, underlie a lot of that. Yeah, there's a lot of chronic inflammation, whether it's heart disease, obesity, uh, diabetes, you know, autoimmune diseases, cancer, et cetera. Most of these have a root in inflammation. Um, so one, so we, you know, one of the, one of the uh, and, and, but of course, if you're in this um, uh, high arousal stressed state, then sitting still, 
<laughs> calming your mind and noticing your breathing and not feeling overwhelmed is not available to you. Mm. Yeah. It's like somebody trying to learn a breathing technique while having a panic attack. Mm. It, does, it just doesn't work. Mm. You have to have the techniques in place beforehand. Exactly. So when the event happens, then you can use them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this really is, was my conclusion was that um, traditional techniques that human beings have put together around meditation and breathing and relaxation uh, were just not simply not working anymore. Mm. Um, and indeed, there's actually a very large percentage of people um, uh, for whom when they try to self-regulate, when they try to sit down and notice their breathing, they actually feel worse. Yeah, yeah. So there is this kind yeah. of worse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it, and you, you you know you've seen this, isn't isn't it interesting? You know, if you want to make if you want to make somebody stressed and anxious, ask them to notice their breathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then if somebody's chronically hyperventilating, as a lot of people are, they're breathing poorly, they're breathing in the upper chest, they're holding the breath. You you then sit them down and say, okay, now notice your breathing. And of course, what they'll notice is how terrible their breathing is. Mm. Uh, and therefore by noticing they activate the emergency response and they breathe um they breathe even more even more poorly yeah, yeah. so i decided um that uh, you know my mission was to create a way for modern people modern humans to develop um the skills to be able to self-regulate um without the techniques that we've developed over um, hundreds of thousands of years uh, being useful anymore. Yeah. So if, if meditation and breathing aren't uh, effectively of, of much use to most people, and of course there are a section of people who are, they're, they're fantastically useful for, and that's, that's great, but I'm interested in the hundreds of millions of people for whom these techniques don't work. So the technology is created really for those people. It's not a, it's not a, a, a substitution mm. for meditation. Uh, it's uh, a path to the ability to self-regulate for people who currently find it very difficult. Yeah. And once they're there, they, they can then develop whatever techniques they want. Um, but it's a really, it's an engaging, easy, quick uh, and enjoyable, mm. um, you know, A to B. Because, in, in, you know, if you can't get from A to B, then there's, then there's nowhere to go, right? It's, it's that first step on the ability to self-regulate. And, um, you know, all, all the clinical information and trials, et cetera, and patient uh, experience and your experience, as you've noticed, um, points to the effectiveness of, it, of its ability to do that. So, you know, so we're thrilled that we um, have developed something that really does do what it says on the tin. Yeah. And I love the fact that when I started trying it, because I've got a million different tools and techniques and strategies under my belt now, but I can remember when I think back to when I first started this, when I first realized, like I just had, and the majority of people have zero ability to regulate their emotions. And when your emotions are driving your behavior and then you're getting angry and frustrated at yourself for your behavior, it's in this perpetual loop that people don't understand. But I can remember when I first started to meditate, there's this massive misconception about clearing the mind and all of these different things. And, and, and I know a lot of people can struggle and a lot of people, because their baseline, their normal is in a little bit of a heightened level of, of stress response, it, it actually registers as danger in the brain to relax. So you have to start to, to train that into yourself in a nice, safe, enjoyable. I love the fact that you said it's enjoyable. That's the thing that I found 
the most profound because we all struggle to start habits, right? Particularly if you don't understand how habits work. But for me, this has been the one thing where it's like, it's just completely natural. I don't have to put a reminder in my phone. It's just, it's there and I want to do it because it feels really good and I understand the benefits. And I think that is part of the genius. And and I said, when I was doing some, some stories on this, the lanyard, I think again, just having the, the lanyard and having it around you as that little reminder to just be able to quickly take it and go, okay, I'm noticing I'm in a little bit of a heightened response. So mm. I'm going to just do a quick 10 minutes and then it just completely gets you back on track. You I just love it. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're wearing it. Yeah. I was talking with my SOS. Um, ah, yes. Could t- so do you, would you use it when you were in a conversation with something? That was something I wanted to know. <laughs> um, as the inventor, I feel I'm able to break the use case yeah. uh, or bend it at the very least. So uh, the use case is 10 minutes once a day lying down uh, with headphones on and your eyes closed. Yeah. Uh, and that's what we ask people to do. We say do that because uh, that, you know, that will give you the best results. And most people uh, do get uh, an immediate benefit from literally the first minute, the first 10 minute session, which is amazing. Um, uh, we find that a lot of people um, do multiple sessions in a day. They do longer sessions or they do multiple sessions, which is fine. We haven't, uh, we haven't established that, that you can overdo it. Um, it's not electrical stimulation. Yeah. So it's, it is pure sound. We can talk a little bit about the mechanism itself, but you know, you're using sound, right? Just audible and inaudible infrasound. Um, so we don't think you can overdo it. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, so I, so I do sometimes use just the vibration element when I'm talking to people, if I'm on long phone calls, because technology and phone calls and keyboards really kind of make your shoulders go up. Uh, you know, there's, yes. there's some, re- again, some very good research with electrical stimulator, oh, electrical uh, muscle receptors that show as soon as somebody goes on a phone, mm-hmm. um, on a keyboard, I beg your pardon, uh, their breathing accessory muscles start to tighten up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, uh, the, the, the diaphragm, of course, is the main um, muscle organ really of, of, um, of uh, um, breathing, but all these breathing accessory muscles in the neck and shoulders, which move the scapula up and down are also really important. And you know, it's why so many people have chronic head and neck tension, yeah, back tension at the back of the head, those kind of headaches, because they're, you know, there's this upper chest breathing pattern, mm-hmm. which is so common um, and which technology tends to encourage. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about, because it's using sound and the vibrations together. That's where a lot of the magic happens. So tell us a little bit more about the science behind it, what it's actually doing for us and the, the frequencies that we're using. Yes, I mean, I, I mean, actually my father and my brother um, are, um, uh, are both musicians. <clears throat> um, so and I've been a musician in the past. So music's always played a big part in my life and I've used music in, uh, and sound in therapy for again, decades. Uh, uh, and in the last 10 years or so, using a kind of a big piece of clinical equipment that you lie on that, that sends infra, infrasonic waves through the patient. Um, and that was really uh, the starting point with using low frequency sound. Mm. So we found that by using that in clinic, we had um, a improved, across the board, improved um, uh, uh, success rate with all kinds of conditions. So we pretty much used that technology on everybody as a baseline. Uh, because it mm. enabled them to self-regulate, it enabled them to improve vagal tone, improve resilience. 
Um, <clears throat> um, and I was actually going to roll out a bunch of clinics, uh, which with that technology in it. But then I realized that the impact for that was pretty, uh, pretty difficult. You know, obviously expensive technology, upmarket, high street locations. Uh, and while on that technology one day, though, I had this kind of eureka moment uh, where, you know, this happens, right? The whole kind of concept was channeled. Uh, and I realized you could get rid of 99% of the hardware and the computer power by turning the body into the hardware um, and by using a phone to replace most of the computing power. Mm. So, but, so rather than put use, using huge um, you know, infrasound transducers that had to go through all the big muscles of the back, by placing the device on the chest yeah, and using a small infrasound transducer, what you're doing is you're turning the body into an instrument. Mm. Yeah, so there's this, there's this kind of channel, there's this um, uh, column of air, uh, obviously through the throat, right down into the chest and diaphragm. And uh, just like on a, a violin or a guitar or a cello, you know, you can make those that that column of air vibrate. Yeah, in an instrument, you're using strings. Um, or in, a, in a chest, normally you're using the vocal cords. Mm -hmm. um, and but what all we're doing, in a sense, is using very very specific uh, harmonic low frequencies combined with what you're hearing in the ear uh, through bone conduction on the chest which then makes all the air molecules in the chest and throat vibrate. So, uh, you know, from an experience point of view, it's very similar mm -hmm. to omming or chanting or, you know, certain types of breathing. Um, so, you know, if you, if you're, if you're skillful uh, and you have the time to practice those techniques, you can absolutely get the same results. Mm. Uh, the problem is the, the learning curve, doing it right, knowing whether you're doing it right, doing it consistently. Th these are the problems. Uh, and that's really what Sensate does. It's a you know reliable, consistent, uh, rapid uh, methods to produce similar kind of physical responses using sound. Um, so we can buy. So your the the low frequency sound, which is stuff below fifty hertz. Yeah, the kind of the the rumbles and the, it's like humming as well. Humming is also a very good method. Um, Winnie the Pooh must have had a fantastic um, vagal nerve tone. Vagal I think. tone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was always humming wasn't he so that creating and there are there are, there are movements in there are exercises out there in um the, the brahman yoga techniques uh the, the bumblebee breathing etc which are uh designed to make the chest and throat vibrate and hum mm. um but we're just we're doing it in with specific frequencies uh which change yes yeah, so a multi-frequency it's not just simply vibrating mm. um and we're then synchronizing it with the audio content in the headphones. So it's one piece of music that you're hearing and you choose which piece you want from the app. There's lots of different uh, pieces and we're adding uh, more later on this year. Uh, so it's one piece of music, but just part of the orchestration, half, roughly half the orchestration is below the hearing threshold and it's played via bone conduction into the chest. So you, you feel it rather than hear it, yeah? And by vibrating these kind of air molecules, you then, those then excite uh, other parts of the body. Yeah, so particularly the water in the body, you know, we're, we're uh, up to 96% water as human beings, um, you know, 75 to 96% water. And water is a fantastic medium for the conduction of sound. Mm. Much better than air. Air is actually quite a poor medium for sound conduction. Um, so whales, for instance, can hear um, sound 16 kilometers away uh, underwater. 
Um, that, uh, who knows how how far they could hear sound out of water, but I don't think we measure that, do we? Um, so, so you know, water is this amazing medium for sound transmission. It's actually faster than nerve conduction speed. So sound travels through water in the body faster than nerve conduction speed. So it's very efficient, there's very little loss, and it's incredibly fast. So if you want to propagate a sensation uh, around the body, then using frequency um, that, that stimulates water in the body is, is, is an incredibly efficient way to do that. So I think the, the mental image I like is it's like having the sensate on the chest here is very much like dropping a pebble into a pond. Yeah, there's this kind of ripple that goes out and it, and it has an effect all the way throughout, you know, up, upwards and downwards. And then if you combine that with the stuff that you're hearing, so you're also having the kind of neural processing element, mm. um, it's very rapid and it's very powerful and it's quite and, and, and profound in its, in its outcome. Mm. Um, and it's not sort of, you know, it's not flaky to, to think about or talk about uh, frequency or vibration, you know, um, if you talk to, or you read information from, uh, the most prominent uh, physicists, quantum physicists, mm -hmm. they're saying exactly this. They're saying the entire universe um, is vibration. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Things only exist. They literally only exist because of their vibrational rate. Mm. Yeah. The only difference, I mean, this is actually kind of well, well established. The only difference between you know, this table and love is the frequency of vibration yeah yeah they're, they're each each is just a moment in time mm. um so by accessing a much broader spectrum of the frequency range yeah we're doubling the impact that music can have so we already know that heard music can have massive um uh, physical and emotional impact uh we're we're doubling the wavelength so we're using twice the amount of information in the body. And also you're experiencing it on a cellular physical level, not just a brain level. Mm. And given that, you know, given what I said before that we've had bodies and vagus nerves for hundreds of millions of years longer than we've had a brain, mm. that's incredibly important. Yeah. Well, so much of the messaging is 80% body to brain, isn't it? But most people have idolized the brain and it's hugely important and we love the brain, but there's this huge piece of the puzzle that's been missing from so many kind of mindsets, so to speak, techniques and tools and cognitive tools. There's such a focus on the cognitive and, and the thoughts, but actually so many of those thoughts are coming from your body and people just don't, don't know this information. Well, there are multiple brains. I mean, that's accepted, right? Again, that's not, that's, yes. that's just, you know, neuroscience. There are multiple brains. There, there are multiple brains in the head, of course, but there are also multiple brains in the body. Um, ones that we know about, like the gut-brain connection. So the gut is a brain. The gut is officially the fifth brain. Uh, there's a heart brain, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm sure there are other brains as well that we haven't really quite quantified as brains yet. So I think the whole fascial connective tissue network uh, in many ways functions like a brain. We know that uh, many hormones that control emotional regulation are produced in the fascia. Uh, yeah. We know that signaling uh, around the body um, and therefore trauma is, 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 is locked into the fascia as much as it is into the nervous system. So, um, you know, uh, 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 Daniel Goldman uh, says that, you know, the, we have multiple brains and actually the brains are the servant of the body. Mm not the other way around. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I like that. So one of the things with Sensei is obviously using all of this and knowing this and understanding this. I always find that when people can understand why something works, there's so much more motivation to do it, which I love. That's why I, I like to educate a lot. Um, but can you talk a little bit? So you, you get the, the in the moment effects, so to speak. But can you talk a little bit about the cumulative effects over time? Because so many people like to do the, oh, I did that for a few days and didn't really feel anything. Or, oh, I tried it for a couple of weeks and then I stopped doing it and everything just came back. You know, it was the same as it was before. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the cumulative effects of this. Well, to be honest, that's almost the entire motivation for designing Sensate in the way that I did was, you know, um, 30 years of clinical information working with patients. And um, so you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm obviously I've done research, but I'm a clinician first and a researcher second. And I think that that's incredibly important. So we see medical interventions and devices invented by researchers. So researchers are fascinated by brain headsets, um, but, I, 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 but people aren't. <laughs> people are much more interested in things that will make them feel different. Um, and behave, you know, human behavior change is the, is the holy grail. You know, we've been trying to find ways to regularly and consistently and reliable to reliably change behavior for a very, very long time. And it's incredibly difficult. And, and I think the, re the reason we generally fail is because we approach it from an intellectual point of view. Yeah, mm -hmm. whether it's diet or exercise or um, you know, um, emotional issues, behavioral issues, whatever. You know, we approach it from a very intellectual point of view. Whereas in fact, um, behavior is governed by brain chemicals and emotions, which are physical, yeah? So um, it's why people, you know, it's why addictions are, um, are effectively behavior change apparatus, right? So, you know, dopamine driven addictions. So, and that can be good or bad, you know, it can be, um, you know, you're playing uh, uh, games on the phone that give this kind of instant reward, but no long-term rewards uh, are um, incredibly powerful mechanisms um and of course food and drugs etc as well you know people it's very easy to get into a pattern where you're seeking this kind of dopamine high mm -hmm. um but dopamine also and other um uh, hormones uh, oxytocin serotonin etc uh you know if you can work out how to use these for positive behavior change then that's incredibly powerful yeah um and you do that at a feeling level mm -hmm. yeah in other words at a physical level so you can't um, think the brain out of trouble. Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't, you have to feel the body and the brain out of trouble or in, into positive habits, yeah? We, we don't say, oh, I think I'm fearful or I think I'm in love. We say, oh, I feel love, yeah? Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel afraid, yeah? I feel worried, yeah? I've got a, a gut instinct. You know, we use these very visceral uh, feeling-based descriptions mm. of um, the things that actually drive our behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And we're living in a, you know, we're living in a decade of cognitive dissonance anyway, right? So what people say and what they believe um, and, you know, people, people go on about wanting evidence, um, but actually once presented with the evidence, if it doesn't support what they want to believe anyway, then they'll just ignore it. Yes. So although evidence is important, it actually doesn't really, it, it confirms people's beliefs, beliefs, but it doesn't tend to change them, interestingly, which is, um, which is part of the reason why um, we, when, when, when uh, developing Sensei, we went very much down a clinical patient route rather than a medical route. Yeah? So rather than developing a medical device 
um, which would then be, you know, um, rationed, if you like, by doctors or prescribed by doctors in a clinical setting. Uh, we wanted to empower individuals at home uh, or wherever to be able to control their own behavior, to be able to develop their own um, self-regulation. You know, for me, that's the much, much more powerful um, objective is taking hands from doctors and giving it to consumers, giving it to people. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, no one understands how you feel better than you. Yeah. Um, but also we can feel powerless with our ability to change uh, what's going on. So, you know, people who fail with diets, people who fail, mm -hmm. you know, make resolutions, et cetera, and then fail to live up to them. Mm -hmm. And each time we fail, then of course that cements that relationship. So um, uh, the cliched uh, description from, um, uh, from, from Stanford as well, actually, the neurons that fire together, wire together. Uh, in it, but it's, it's, it's a lovely sentence and, it, and it's largely true. There are versions of it um, to make it more sophisticated, but you know, we are what we do. We are what we think and we are what we feel. Mm -hmm. um, and we are the behaviors that we do on a regular basis. So if we meditate regularly, that becomes the, neural, the default neural network. If we um, hit the bottle regularly, that becomes the default neural network. So um, you, be, you build up patterns of behavior, positive or negative, by repeating the behavior. So, when, so although um, it's straightforward enough to change behavior, you just do this for long enough for it to become the new habit. If it's difficult, your body, it doesn't give a dopamine um, uh, response. Um, you're, you, you essentially don't want to do it. And it's not rewarding. It's not enjoyable. You simply don't do it more than a few, a few days or a few salad days. over the donut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, and these, these responses are very primal and it's pointless trying to fight them. Yeah. With, with a, with an intellectual, but I want to response. It's yeah. not, you know, I, I know I should respond. That's just not going to work. So, so the technology was always designed from day one to be enjoyable. Yeah. And it's really, that sounds silly and simple, but actually, as I think you understand the importance yeah. of that can't be overstated yeah. because otherwise you won't do it. No, you, you don't get any behavior change without people doing the thing they need to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you and if you go in at that level, that kind of enjoyable, engaging, I want to do it. I don't need to remind myself to do it. I, w I won't resist it level. Then one, it works more effectively from the first try anyway. And two, you're much, much more likely to uh, for it to become a pattern of behavior, which then cements this this neural network around that pattern of behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, that, and we see that, um, you know, with Sensate and the technology, uh, we see the kind of engagement stats uh, that people, um, uh, you know, through the app, obviously the app data, the anonymous, of course, app data. Uh, we see um, uh, uh, stats which are unheard of, really, in the industry. So uh, my co-founder and CEO, Anna Goodmanson, who's in uh, uh, Los Angeles now, uh, raising our new funding round, um, you know, we're great great team you know, we share similar kind of passion for human potential uh, and she she has a background very much in technology but also particularly in apps and she knows and that's one of the reasons she came to work for the company um uh despite being able to work for much larger companies than us is the the, the compelling and really quite unprecedented nature of the engagement that the technology produces in people yeah normally you're talking about you know single figure stats um whereas our stats are you know way into double figures 
you know, how often and how, how long people use it for and how long they keep the technology for. And I mean, this is also why we didn't go for an app only solution. Mm. Yeah, it's, and we tried, right? Um, but it seems that it's just not neuroanatomically possible. Yeah, it's not physically possible to produce the outcomes using just heard sound, yeah, just airwave compression sound. You need the physical element because so much of the body isn't the mind. Yeah. Or well, isn't the brain. And I think that's one of the reasons um, we're fascinated by the brain. I think Noah, Noah Yuval Harari said this is, you know, we love the brain because we think it gives us an insight into the mind. Yeah. But actually the mind is so much more than just the brain. Mm. And that's why it's so difficult to, to explain that. And I think nobody's really managed to ever kind of give a definition, <laughs> like a really hard and fast definition of all these different things. And we can use words interchangeably, but, you know, when we're talking about cumulative benefits and improving vagal tone and changing behavior, what are the things that you've noticed or that other people have fed back to you that they've noticed about using this? I mean, the single most common piece of feedback we get, and we love this because it keeps the team going, right? Mm. Uh, you know, we're a devoted team, but we're a tiny startup and it's, it's, it's tough out there. But we the, the daily spontaneous feedback uh, from users, you know, the, the kind of I just had to write to you kind yeah. of stuff. Um, and users really love the technology. You know, they really they develop a very personal relationship with it. We try to support that as much as we can. Um, but we every day we get, you know, you have changed my life or. Mm-hmm you know, for the first time in 20 years kind of stuff. You know, this is, this is, this is what we hear from people. Um, and, and the percent, and we know also that it's, work, that it's very engaging and, and it's working well because the percentage of people uh, who, are, who, who are dissatisfied with their experience is, you know, well under 2%. I think it's 1.12% wow. or something like that. So it's a, it's a very close to um, not 98% satisfaction rate, which again is, you know, ridiculously unheard of. Yeah, I love that. And it's so one of the things that I've noticed in particular is feeling more more balanced, even though I've done a lot of emotional regulation, I do heart math all the time, all of these different things. It's on those days where you are a human and something happens or there's conflict or whatever may happen, like those human moments, those are feeling calmer, more balanced. And I think people can underestimate the power of that and the difference that makes to your life. Because when you're regulated in that way, you're going to make better decisions. Exactly. Exactly. So we're, we're, we're also all a bit obsessed with productivity, aren't we? And focus yeah. um, and doing more and having, you know, either longer or more efficient to do lists, et cetera, or crossing things off our to do lists. But that, exactly as you say, uh, if you want better focus, have a, you know, then have a mind which is able to do one thing efficiently at a time. Yeah. Um, and vagal tone, you know, and the reason it's called tone is because it is like a muscle. Yeah, yeah? it's not uh, it's upregulation as well as downregulation. So it's the ability to respond and roll with the punches. It's also the ability to activate the relaxation response. Yeah, so it's it's performance, but also downregulation at the same time. Mm. Yeah, so we're a non-medical device, yeah, so we don't um, 
talk about the technology's effectiveness for you know medical conditions like IBS or migraine or whatever. Um, but we look at qualities within people's lives uh, and, and people feed that back to us. So uh, anxiety, improved ability to cope with uh, stressful events you know, and feeling better generally, but also quality of sleep. So qual sleep quality is probably the single, you know, sleep quality, and sleep quality and anxiety are the two main uh, things that people report to us have improved. And they're so linked together as well. And people don't appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's, but we're probably a bit bored almost, aren't we, of being told how critically important sleep is. Uh, well, you know, a few decades ago, of course, you know, sleep was regarded as the enemy, wasn't it? It wasn't that long ago. Uh, you know, sleep less, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> sleep when you're dead kind of thing. Hustle, like, hustle, hustle. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But now we know if you don't sleep enough, you're just, uh, you know, you are underperforming. You know, you are, you are a shadow of yourself. Um, to some people, some people choose not to sleep. They choose to have too little sleep. Of course, some people... Um, uh, it's not a choice yeah. uh, and unless there's a really distinct hormonal strip biochemical reason why somebody just can't sleep and that's actually rare mm. then everybody can can and should really strive to improve their sleep quality um, both the amount of hours one sleeping but also then the quality of the sleep within that mm -hmm. um, it, it will it's always going to give you back more uh functionality but also more years of life yeah. than what you gain by missing it yeah absolutely and i know it's so funny to think that something the size of this pebble that you can put on your chest all of these different things and the profound effects that it can have. And when we're talking about vagal tone and the ability to regulate your emotions, and, and obviously we know that when you can regulate your emotions, you're not being hijacked by your emotional brain and you can make these better decisions and you're operating from your prefrontal cortex and all of these things that we want to be able to live the life that we want. And we got into a really interesting conversation before we started this about the mission of the company being on a global scale. And I kind of said to you like, imagine if we had a world of emotionally regulated people operating oh. from the right areas of their brain not operating from fight or flight not operating from this nervous system response so i'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because i think definitely in line with our missions here but <laughs> you're a little bit further down the line than me so far yeah i mean if, if we are better uh, if our vagal tone is better and we're therefore able to better regulate the stuff that life throws at us, we are um, better able to uh, resist the temptation to move into a fear-based response. So the, my personal mission, the mission of the company is to try and be part of a movement to create a world which is less full of fear. Um, I've, got, I've got children, I'd love to see my grandchildren. Um, and, you know, on current trajectory, there's a number of things that could easily wipe out the human race in the next um, 50 to 100 years. Um, uh, um, some of those we can, we can have little impact on, but many of them we can. So, you know, whether it's uh, pollution, ecological issues, plastics, equality, all of these things require a critical mass of human beings to make better quality decisions to force their government to make, put the changes in place that will make those things happen. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And as long as we're locked in this cycle, as we and, and we've really seen that over the last few years, and the pandemic obviously has like absolutely exacerbated that in addition. But as long as we're locked in this cycle of fear and therefore short-term decision making, we're not gonna ha- we're not gonna be in a position to elevate the human thinking and, and make those better quality decisions. Mm. So, you know, I'm I and the company are um dedicated to mass tipping point behavior change improvement yeah so um, movements that have been going for a long time um and have, have either not grown quickly enough or have failed like you know to be honest the meditation movement to some degree and you know since the beatles uh brought meditation into the mainstream in the 60s uh, meditation as a concept has had a lot more um acceptance and it's and it's and it's much more in the in the academic and the mainstream um, uh, understanding. So most people now know what meditation is, but but still the percentage of people actually using it as a life-changing modality is, is way too small. Yeah. And I don't think um, that those kind of techniques have the ability to scale fast enough to achieve the kind of tipping point that, that we need as human beings. Mm. But there are companies who are working on wellness who are, who are, who are equally obsessed with um, uh, you know, human behavior change. And so we, we, you know, we really want to be part of that, that behavior, that movement, which is changing um, the outlook for hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. Cause then uh, who are more focused on compassion, uh, more focused on longer term thinking uh, and, and able to resist this fear, this incredibly powerful fear-based emergency response, which is engendered when you perceive threat in the environment. Yeah, so whether it's um, a pandemic or whether it's pollution or whatever it might be, whether it's war, uh, whether it's job insecurity, all of these things, the news, of course, all of these things engender fear. So I, I tell people, you know, stop watching the news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, put down that paper and stop watching the news because it's just producing this kind of, you know, uh, emotional uh, fear based response in you, which you're then feeding it. You know, that becomes an addiction of sorts. Yeah. And one of the things that helps me understand why it was so important to scale um, was when I, when I sort of really appreciated that the, the human bre- blueprint is basically one of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So human beings are hardwired for anxiety. Yeah? So uh, all the overly un, um, laid back or relaxed uh, or non-hoarding humans didn't make it. Yeah, it was the slightly paranoid, slightly anxious, yeah. hoarding humans who went on to pass their gene that went past their genes on. So yeah. you know, th- this is the blueprint that we've all come from. Yeah. So we shouldn't be surprised that we have an, a tendency to anxiety or to hoard. Yeah, and and we've, we we saw this obviously in in the first wave of the pandemic, right? So people started hoarding immediately. It's one of the first human responses. The sign of danger is to hoard stuff. Mm. Uh, weirdly, it was toilet rolls, wasn't it? With, um, <laughs> And I think I think there is something. You know, I think there's a way that one could interpret that. But um, so we we should feel okay about that. Yeah, we should say okay. This is actually how I'm built. Yeah, my first response um, biologically is to feel anxious. So if I want to elevate my ability above this, how do I how do I rise above this basic blueprint of fear and anxiety? And you do that through self work. Yeah. yeah. And the path, but the the problem is the pathways to that self-work are, have become harder, not easier. Mm. So we have to embrace technology. We can't be fearful of technology either. Technology is the only thing um, that will save the world 
mm. from the impending disasters, you know, the series of impending disasters that could happen. Mm. But if we use technology wisely, we can save the world. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is I think coming from from the modalities that I'm trained in and from your experience, it's like knowing that on a deep level that actually that is a possibility is I think I think that's quite spectacular. But I mean, it's just getting that message out, helping people actually understand how much more control over ourselves we have than we realize and how much we're ruled by, you know, early childhood experiences and, and experiences through our lives that have created essentially codes in our nervous system and in our brains to repeat the same behaviors because that to our bodies is safe. And I think that the biggest thing for me is there's so many people struggling with anxiety, but then beating themselves up for having it, beating themselves up for feeling overwhelmed. And it's like, dude, look at what you're up against here. <laughs> you've got you've got the hunter gatherer situation coming down the lineage. You've got generational trauma. You've got the the big wide world. You've got all of these things going against you. You have been taught to be this way. So the more you can understand that on a foundational level of who you are, this is not who you are. It's something you've learned. And that means you can unlearn it. And using exactly. and it's also it's also how you're built, as I say. So if, if, if anxiety is the blueprint and you're then taught to be anxious and to be short term thinking in your in your responses, mm. um, then, of course, that's what you're up against. And yet you mentioned trauma. And I think it, I think it's interesting. I mean, we had a whole trauma um, speciality at New Medicine Group, um, and what you, when you're working uh, in, in a clinical environment, you realise how common trauma-driven behaviour actually is. So, not necessarily trauma with a capital T or full-blown PTSD, although that's actually also incredibly common. Um, but the, the 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 percentage of people who have some kind of traumatic um, nervous system dysregulation is much higher than is commonly acknowledged. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why with with my work, why I went down that road of becoming trauma informed and looking at heart math and and NAM and things like that, because it's so important to understand this because I'm helping business owners overcome stress and self-sabotage. Right. You've got to understand where that comes from and understand that on a foundational level, you, you make sense as a human. Right. And part of my framework is all about being able to empathize with that part of yourself that needed that solution so to speak because that's what it was at some point in your life that was a solution you needed to be safe exactly right. so so important to to have people understand this ah love this conversation we talked very briefly about um overachievers and that's something that i think this is a, a really great tool to help overcome because it's that judgment of yourself of am i doing this right you know you can't let go of the thoughts and judging yourself well what should it feel like and all of that and i think this device is something that that really does take that away purely by what it's doing for you with the sound and the vibration it it just has this kind of mind quietening response for me anyway specifically but it's certainly not something I judge myself on. And I certainly have with other tools and techniques in the past. When you start using them, you judge yourself for like, well, I should be feeling more results. I should be feeling this. And it's when you know that, the, yes, you can have that incredible, profound feeling in the moment that's going to change your emotional response, essentially, and your behavior. But that cumulative thing over time gives you that motivation to, to carry on with it. But then again, as we've said before, it's so flipping enjoyable. <laughs> yeah it's not it's not it's not um 
an onerous task, is it? Yeah. I mean, even now, you know, after uh, several years of using the device, uh, including the clinical work, I, I, I often have a session thing, and, 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 I'm, and I'm surprised myself at quite how profound and how enjoyable the effects mm-hmm. are. Um, and, and, uh, and I think it's, it's, you know, Maslow, the kind of hierarchy of needs, if you like, you know, baseline, the, 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 the ground zero that that's built on is ability to feel safe. Uh, that is the overarching number one need that people have, you know, and o- over and above food or shelter or love or anything else. If we don't feel safe, nothing matters. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the nat- one of the points um, of overwhelm by keeping us locked in this kind of slightly adrenal threat perception mode is we just never feel set- properly safe. Yeah. So then when we then when we try to self pendulate, try to self regulate, um, of course, that that unease surfaces. And it's very hard to do that on your own without some kind of guide that's not you. Yeah. And that's the point, you know, um, whether it's a teacher uh, or, uh, or, you know, a device like we're using. Uh, the point is, it's not you. Yeah. And because it's physical also, you, 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 you um, as much as it is oral. Mm-hmm. Um, you've then, you've then uh, the, the the mental chatter that will prevent a lot of people from progressing. You know, they're sitting there meditating, but actually thinking about the shopping and whether or not they've got to put um, you know the lunch on. Yeah. Um, um, because there is this physical component to it, it tends to deactivate this um, this overwhelming mental chatter, which will actually effectively prevent one going into a self regulation state. Mm. Yeah. So important. Oh, I've been loving this conversation. So if you wanted my listeners to take one thing from our conversation and your journey and your mission, all of this that we've been talking about, what would that be? Well, I mean, on a technical level, um, improve your vagal tone. <laughs> um, uh, and how and the way this I'd, I'd like to encourage people to do one thing, I suppose, which is, uh, you know, use this as your mantra. If in doubt, breathe out. Uh, because we all breathe in more than we than we breathe out and that's kind of the biggest problem and when you breathe out to hum yeah so allow yourself to <sighs> create some vibration some uh, air molecule resonance in your throat and chest when you breathe out do, do that three or four times forget about breathing in i've never met anyone who fails to breathe in uh, yeah. i've met loads of people who fail to breathe out mm. yeah no, I feel that for sure. Ah, oh, I've loved it. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I could speak to you for hours, in all honesty. <laughs> so, guys, if you're excited about what you've heard today and want to get your hands on your own Sensate, you can head over to getsensate.com forward slash Fran or hit the link in my Instagram bio and you can take advantage of a very generous £20 off. Great. I'm really happy that we're able to do that. Thank you so, so much. I've loved it. Really excited to see what the future holds for Sensate. Fran, thank you so much. A a delight to speak to you. So if you got value from this and you know in your gut that now is the time to step up and start rewiring your thinking and start changing things for yourself, then book in a free discovery call so we can work out 
What needs to happen to get you from where you're at right now to the action taking success you know you can be? If you want my eyes and ears on your problems, then I work with people one on one and through my programs. You can find all the details to book in a call in the show notes, the link in my bio on Instagram and on my website, franexcel.com. So stop waiting for if and when and choose to change things now because you 100% can. I am here to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. And as always, I hope you found this helpful and I will see you next week. Bye.